Welcome to another episode of Streamed and Screened, a show about movies and TV shows, especially movies this time around, uh, from Lee Enterprises. It's a uh, podcast for talking about all that kind of stuff. And with, I would say, Oscar season is in full swing. Uh, I guess, first of all, I'm Chris Lay. I'm one of the producers of the show, one of the hosts. Uh, I'm a podcast operations manager for Lee. Uh, we also have on the call here, uh, we have Bruce Miller, longtime entertainment journalist and currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal, as well as uh, returning triumphantly for this episode, we have Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal. And we are going to be rounding up the the top 10 films that we think are going to be nominated for best picture. And that's, I say top 10 because it's a, uh, there's 10 spots and each of us put together a list of 10, except for Jared, who put together a list of seven, insisting that there are not 10 movies, I guess, as that the, the Academy is going to, <laughs> to expect because they don't have to use all 10 if they don't want to, which is fair enough. Ah, uh, they will. They will. Of course they will. They yeah. want the attention. Sure. That voice, that was Bruce Miller. And so we can jump right out the gate because we've got a bunch of movies to talk about here. Uh, the three that we all agree on are Babylon, Tar, and The Fablemans. So which one of you guys wants to take Babylon as the the explainer for uh, for why it is most, why it's going to get nominated? I can go. So Babylon is the, what, third movie now from uh, Damien Chazelle, who uh, did, uh, or fourth film, excuse me. He's done uh, Whiplash, La La Land, and uh, First Man. And with the exception of First Man, which didn't do much of anything at the Oscars, um, Whiplash and La La Land both did uh, pretty well at the Oscars, including La La Land winning Best Picture for a brief uh few moments of course uh during that and got nominated for a number of others including best director um which he won and the new movie he's working on is right up uh the academy awards is alley because it's all about hollywood specifically old-timey uh, hollywood in the 1920s when things were shifting from uh silent movies into sound films and so the subject matter is uh, favorable for uh, strong Oscar showing. Uh, the director is someone who's gotten love from the Oscars in the past. And then the cast has Brad Pitt in it, who has won an Oscar now. Uh, Margot Robbie, who hasn't won yet, but um, is due for one at uh, some point. And then a number of other uh, familiar pa faces up and down the cast list. So, Again, there's a number of things working in this one's favor, whether it be subject matter, director, or uh, or cast. Can I just throw this out there? Please. We are shooting in the dark because we have not seen yes. these things. So I don't want people to think like, oh my God, I'm just like a hardcore Babylon fan when it could be crap. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. No, I mean, I will say on the list that I'm looking at um, of the ones that we've got, I mean, I think I have actually laid eyes on uh, two, three, three of them. And the only reason that I've laid out, I mean, it's, it's not like I haven't tried to see them. Uh, it's just a bunch of movies that aren't out yet. And speaking of Babylon, I mean, that is going to be in theaters. I think, what is it like Christmas day? It opens in, uh, like Chicago, LA and New York, I think just to get under the, under the line for the Academy. And then it'll be opening wide on January 6th, I believe. So yeah, th these are movies that we have not seen for, you know, by and large. You can really tell though, 
when you go to the theater now and you're seeing all of these, uh, the trailers for all of these films, what has the buzz? What one really kind of, it's, if it's connected to a prestige picture, more than likely it's, it's considered one of those ones they think is going to be something. And they've already started ads in the trade papers. So you can see that there's little more here than just it won the Venice Film Festival or it won, you know, some San Diego Film Festival or whatever it might be. There's a, there's a lot of attention now being put on this and the studios do have to kind of back what they think is their best bet. Netflix is a real big player in that game. I was going to say, I mean, we're kind of basing this off of primarily festival season buzz and, you know, promo stuff and vibes. We're just reading vibes at this point. Um, Bruce, do you want to talk about the Fablemans? The Fablemans, you know, it's it was uh, on the list before they even made the movie because it's Steven Spielberg talking about his childhood and his desire to go into the movie business. You can't lose with that, right? Last year, we had Kenneth Branagh doing it with uh, his childhood. Spielberg, come on. He didn't win last year for West Side Story. So this is his shot at, you know, am I going to play that card? You bet I'm playing that card. And it's got Michelle Williams in it. And they say she should be an Oscar winner. They just don't know where to put her. Is she supporting? Is she best actress? So that's, you know, a, a real question mark. But I think it's going to be one of those ones that comes home. I think it's going to be one that if it isn't in the top two, there'll be something else that really just wows everybody. But I think it is definitely one that's going to be there. The trailer for that is astonishingly good. So you, you get the sense that it's doing exactly what he wanted it to do, I suppose. Um, and uh, yes, that leaves TAR, T-A-R, all caps with the A having a little tilde or uh, whatever on top of it uh, as all of the promotional materials and, you know, press <laughs> press packet information has made very clear uh, that it is supposed to be stylized in just such a way. And Tar is uh, the, the third major film by Todd Field, who is hasn't done a movie in about 15, 16 years. The last movie he did was Little Children starring Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson uh, and Jackie Earl Haley in a, I mean, just a, a real kind of a, a bedroom drama sort of thing that is uh, hard to watch at times, but Tar uh, is set in the world of classical music and Lydia Tar, as played by Kate Blanchett is considered one of the greatest living composer conductors. And um, just all about the, the struggle for creation and, and art and interpretation and, and all that. Uh, and the, the trailer also looks really fantastic and you can't tell much of what's happening other than that. It's, it's uh, just looks very frenetic. So the trailer for that one reminded me a little bit of some of the parts of the parallax view in terms of the way the editing is for the movie, because like you said, there's a very frenetic kind of feel to the way tar seems to have been edited. And uh, that's one, I mean, we'll see, you know, Kate Blanchett is almost 100% likely to get a Best Actress nomination. I mean, again, just sight unseen. I mean, just Kate Blanchett. What do you, you know, come on. I should mention, too, that the director, Todd Field, you mentioned his uh, filmography, Chris. He also is one of the inventors of Big League Chew, the bubblegum. Him and a uh, a friend originally created Big League Chew, the bubblegum that kids know and love. I'm just going to leave this in. I'm just going to, like, I'm I'm not going to fact check it. 
I swear it's true. It's exactly the kind of thing that someone who's, who's blowing smoke up my my skirt would say. Anyway, <laughs> if anybody wants to to fact check that themselves, uh, you can send all of your your eagle eyed listener mail to uh, Jared McNett. And um, yeah, just to recap, not to be that person, but we've got three that we think are sure bets. There are three films that all three of us agree on. And they're all I, about showbiz. Yep. I took the list that each of us put together and did a sort of a, a Venn diagram on it. And so we're just going to go in order of most likely based on the three of us and our thoughts and, and what, how, how close to unanimous unanimity uh, we, we can get to. You know what I find curious though about our list is that we're really not heavy on ones that we've already seen. No. You know, it's like the year is not really that good. So we're really banking on a lot happening in the next few months. You see, I think, I think this year has been good, but it's just been, we are kind of getting back to the normal release schedule of stuff like this, where the Oscar buzz stuff comes out towards the end of the year. And the pipeline of getting things out has just been so cratered and, and destroyed by, by COVID. We're kind of uh, maybe overcorrecting with everything just hitting all at once. Um, and, you know, it's not that we haven't seen things that could have been in the running. You know, what is it? Ambulance? Would that have made a made the cut maybe? No, 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 no. That's just wishful thinking on your part. Nope. <laughs> nope. Could have made it. Nope, could have made it, but it was, when they go, it's a little thinner than the one before that was in the hunt, then it's not making it. There had to have been a time in the production process where Don't Worry Darling would have been getting buzz <laughs> along those same lines. <laughs> I mean, we're we kind of, we can chuckle at it, chuckle about it now. Yeah, there are ones, they'll get individual acting uh, attention, I think, some of these ones, but... Best picture? No way. No way. Kind of ranking very loosely by consensus. Um, there are the next two films up are ones that Jared and I both agree on. And that is Armageddon Time and White Noise. Jared, which of the which of these two do you want to take? I'll do Armageddon Time. Uh so Armageddon Time, this is what now the second uh movie we're gonna be talking about that is uh based in some degree on the childhood of the uh, the person making it. Uh, and in this case, it uh, Armageddon Time is a movie inspired by the upbringing of the director, James Gray, uh, who also did Ad Astra a couple years ago with Brad Pitt. Um, and he also did um, Lost City of Z with Robert Pattinson and Charlie Hunnam, which was a very slept on movie from 2017 or 2018, if I remember correctly and uh even further back he did we own the night with joaquin phoenix and mark Wahlberg. he always gets really good uh stars in his uh movies and in this one he's got anthony hopkins who of course won uh just what two years ago now for the father he's got Anne hathaway who's won before and he's got uh jeremy strong who seems to be one of the more beloved uh tv actors at this point as sort of the, the top of the cast for for that one. And uh, a lot of the reason I had it on my list is, again, because of the subject matter, um, because James Gray has kind of been hanging around the Academy Awards in the past, but hasn't really 
you know, appeared in a lot of categories or anything like that. So part of this uh, theorizing by me is that he's overdue in some respects for a little bit more love from the uh, Oscars. And again, too, cast. The cast is, is very strong top to bottom, and that certainly does not hurt the movie in any respect. With him, it seems like like with um with Ad Astra, The Lost City of Z, and also The Immigrant, those are ones that with a slightly different rollout, maybe could have been much more odds on as far as getting him a nomination. But with this, I mean, you're you know swinging for the fences by putting Anthony Hopkins in there. Yep. You and I both think that that's going to be in there, and then you and I also think that White Noise, the new film by Noah Baumbach. Uh, is going to be on the list. Uh, White Noise is a an adaptation of the Don DeLillo novel from, I believe it's 81, like early 80s, I want to say. 85. Yeah, from 85. And it is about consumerism and a, a fog that kind of takes over a town. And it's um, how filmable it is has been up in the air for a while. Uh, but Noah Baumbach... The, the same cast that he's worked with a little bit with Adam Driver uh, and Greta Gerwig coming in. Uh, and I can't remember where it was that it, it premiered, but one of the festivals there was like a big opening night thing. And it seems like it's getting pretty good buzz. That's going to be in theaters, I think, in November before it goes to Netflix. It's a it's a Netflix movie and notably a very expensive Netflix movie. I think they uh bankrolled it with i don't know how many millions and millions of dollars to to make this thing happen so gonna be interesting to see where that ends up landing but uh yeah that'll be out on netflix eventually and we can all have our opinions about it and we'll uh hang out with our, our boomer parents or uh i guess boomer <laughs> <laughs> friends bruce <laughs> wait a minute here i think i sent something there right <laughs> It's just a statement of fact. There's no, there's sure. no denying. Sure. And then with uh with Bombeck, uh, of course, his last movie was Marriage Story from a couple years ago, and that got uh, six Oscar nominations, including some for Best Picture, uh, Original Screenplay, Actor, and Actress. And that's when it seems like the uh, the Academy wants to like his movies a lot and wants to give him stuff, and just hasn't hasn't the dice haven't rolled his way. Greta is another one. They love Greta. So the idea that she's in it, I think White Noise has a better shot than Armageddon Time. What is your reasoning? The people involved. The people they've got in that one are Oscar bait, as opposed to the one in White Noise. Not so much Oscar bait. I mean, yeah. White Noise White Noise is my Oscar bait. Armageddon Time is not Oscar bait. I mean, once you kind of get a little bit past the, the above-the-line actors with Anthony Hopkins, Anne Hathaway, and you know, Jeremy Strong, it's a lot of lesser-known names. And you've got uh, Banks Rapetta, uh, who was one of the kids in The Black Phone, uh, is is in it. One of your favorite movies. I'm assuming as the, the James Gray avatar, uh, I suppose. And Belfast didn't need anything other than, you know, a couple of big names to to carry it through. Well, wasn't somebody saying Ad Astra needs to be a Best Picture nominee and then nothing? So I think I think that one's going down. So Jared and Bruce, one of the ones that you agree on, The Banshees of Inishirin, 
Um, Bruce, you want to give us a little lead in on the Banshees of Inishirin? It's about two friends. And, but the thing that really sells this is Martin McDonough's the guy who's behind it. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, enough said. If he writes something and it's good, and they've been wanting so desperately to nominate Colin Farrell for something, here's their opportunity. It's Colin Farrell time. And Brendan Gleeson, come on. He's, he hosts Saturday Night Live. Why would he host Saturday Night Live? That's not an accident that he's showing up on SNL. Right. It's This is because they think this has a shot. So I think it has a shot, too. It's just those little markers that you look for that help you decide, yeah, this one's going the distance. And it's worth uh, pointing out, too, although, you know, it's not the strongest predictor of any of the festivals. Uh, at the Venice Film Festival, Colin Farrell won Best Actor for Banshees of Venice Sheeran. And uh, McDonough won the award for Best Screenplay at the Venice Film Festival. And along with, uh, you know, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, this movie also has uh, Barry Kewen in it, uh, who is one of my absolute favorite uh, actors. So this is this is going to be a good one. And it's sort of a, I don't know, like a follow-up in spirit to In Bruges. Yes, because they were both in that. Yeah, but it's different characters. It's not it's not a sequel in any way. It's just two two actors that were in that. Uh, in Bruges is a very dark comedy about a hitman. <laughs> this is not that. But that is one that I, I'm. I think it opened in limited release this weekend or next weekend. I think so. If you can see it, go see it. Any other uh, final thoughts on on that, you guys? No, but uh, I do want to say that I was going to go with Jared on another one, and then I thought, mm, no, it's not getting in there. Okay, <laughs> Bruce, you and I both agreed, and I'm I'm really surprised that Jared even though he, he, his list is shorter, even he's got free spots on his list and he's not including everything, everywhere, all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once. The, uh, I mean, maximalist movie from the Daniels, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert uh, starring Michelle Yeoh, K. Hugh Kwan, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis. This is one that was a bit of a surprise. It made, just buckets and buckets of money. It played for months and months. I mean, as far as I know, it might still be in a theater here uh, somewhere. And it's lovely. This kind of existential trip, I guess. Uh, it's a it's a movie about taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything and nothing. And I love it so much. And it's so great to see KQ Kwan back. Uh, he was short round in the Indiana Jones movies and uh Goonies he was a child star from the 80s more or less and it's nice to see him coming back and really just having having that flex and he's getting buzz too that he could get an Oscar nomination and this is uh or hot dog fingers hot dog fingers hot dog fingers and awards I mean as far as I'm concerned you know there, there's an, a, a very prestigious award in the movie I think this is definitely one of those old films from the early part of the year that makes that goes the distance. There's just a couple that I think will do it. And I think that's one of them. And, and like I said, Jared, you did not have that on your list. Notably. What, uh, what is it that, that kept you from, from plugging that in? So one is maybe a little more personal and that's just as the year has gotten, uh, has gone on and I've seen other movies, other buzzy movies, other like critically revered movies, 
uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once has kind of steadily been one that's dropped down on my list of like a ranking of everything I've seen this year. So there's that, that personal uh, feelings that I have for it. And then also, you know, this is a very simplified kind of thing, but the description for the movie that you can find is an absurdist science fiction comedy drama. And what I want to know is, does that sound like the kind of movie that usually does well at the Oscars or even gets nominated? An absurdist sci-fi comedy drama. But they always have one that's kind of a, an also in the bunch. And that's one of the, that's this. I mean, if it was just weird for the sake of weird and wasn't some kind of a, a force of nature as far as box office goes, I mean, this is now, I think it beat out Uncut Gems, Uncut Gems as the highest grossing film that A24 has put out. I mean, this is, this is one that had a lot of legs and a lot of people saw it. My parents saw it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a force of nature, I think. And we'll see. We shall see, right? That's the whole point of no, making I'm betting the farm. I think it will be. It'll be there. So Jared, one of the ones that you have on here. Caught in a one trap. Of the ones you have on here that nobody else picked is Elvis. Can't walk out. Yeah, one of the seven. Yes. Please. Now, I'm all in on Elvis because if we're going to say, you know, that one of the reasons everything everywhere all at once uh, should end up landing in the uh, Oscar list is because it did so well at the box office. Uh, Elvis is the second highest grossing music biopic of all time now behind Bohemian Rhapsody, which the Academy Awards loved. And Austin Butler's performance has already gotten uh, some awards from like midseason type stuff, which, again, not the best predictors, but there's at least some uh, momentum behind that. And, uh, you know. Baz Luhrmann, he definitely has his uh, Achilles heels, uh, so to speak. But he's gotten love from the Academy Awards in the past, at least in terms of being, uh, you know, recognized with with nominations. So I think it's totally reasonable for uh, Elvis to have a pretty firm footing at the Oscars. Do you really? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he did uh, he did Moulin Rouge. That got eight nominations, and Elvis is a better movie than Moulin Rouge. But <laughs> it'll get the production ones. It'll get costumes and sets, that kind of stuff. But I don't think it's a best picture. And I don't think it's best director either, because it's not his best work. The best director one I could maybe see not happening, but I do think it's entirely possible for it to get a best picture nomination. I think there's room for one of those extras. One of those kind of populist movies, is it Top Gun Maverick? Is it Wakanda Forever? Is it, you know, is it Elvis? I don't think that they're going to go that way with more than one. Well, which one of those are you picking? Because you, on your list... I had Elvis, and then I, I reneged, and I said, mm-hmm. no, it's not happening. I went instead with Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Way too big. Way too big. And you think of it's it's just the time for I mean, like there's no way it's winning, but getting a nomination seems like it would be a pretty big coup. It could win special effects. That's about it. But it's one of those films that opened up the business and said we're back. And it lasted forever. I think it's still lasting. It's out there, and, yeah. And I think that will, you know, it's a, a way of being kind of grateful to the filmmakers for doing this. Because somebody had to, but nobody did until it came along. So I think I think that's going to get your gratitude nomination. So another one that you've got on your list that 
I know it ranks pretty high on the the Gold Derby list right now. Women Talking, directed by Sarah Polly. Oh, that is one of those ones where yes, 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 yes. It it touches a lot of topics for people, and it has a cast that's unbeatable. It has people in there that you're going to say, "Oh, we never even thought about that person as a as an acting nominee." And yeah, let's let's get that one in there. So I do think Sarah Polly is one another one of those ones that they've been waiting to anoint. And it's about a religious group, um, not unlike the Mennonites, uh, that live in a in a, uh, a community, and trouble happens. Look at Handmaid's Tale, how that kind of brought people around. It's a talker, and I think the talker here is going to get them going. And the people in it, come on, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, all of these names have been mentioned as potential Oscar nominees. And then it's got Frances McDormand. How do you not have Frances McDormand in an Oscar winner? She's got to be in there. And it has my favorite actor of the year, Ben Wishaw. I love Ben Wishaw. I think he's so good. And he's in that television series about a doctor who really doesn't want to be a doctor. It's his time. His time is coming. He's going to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And other ones you've got on your list, uh, we talked about Top Gun talked about uh women talking how do you feel about empire of light that's one that stuck on your list past making some final cuts see that has a little um theater kind of uh movie theater kind of vibe to it and it's got you know the queen of these things lately who gets nominated every year olivia coleman olivia coleman an olivia coleman movie has to have a nomination somewhere She's going to be in there somehow, even though I don't want her to win, but she'll be in there. And you wait, it's going to be Olivia Coleman. And these are all just flat out guesses. Okay. Olivia Coleman, Michelle Williams, um, Kate Blanchett. There'll be some stray one that we didn't even think about, like Jesse Buckley would be in there. You wait. That's how they're going to play this thing. And you go, well, wait, wait a minute here. Wasn't there some big star like Julia Roberts this year? Didn't we see her in a movie? How come she's not? No, that's not how this plays. And so you wait. Those are going to be the ones that you're going to be looking at. And you're going to say, there's your nomination list. And this is, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned, it's directed by Sam Mendes, who did 1917 and- American Beauty. Which got a boatload of nominations. Yeah, and so he's, again, anointed. So he's one that is going to come through. They're going to look at those a little closer than they would at somebody who's just trying to break in. Another one you've got on your list I don't know anything about is The Good Nurse. The Good Nurse, Eddie Redmayne. This is Eddie Redmayne's we're back kind of story where there's this hint that this guy is somehow responsible for all these deaths at a hospital. Is he a good nurse or is he a bad nurse? There's a lot there to unpack. And Eddie can play innocent, even though he's guilty. And I think I think he's going to have a shot somewhere. I don't know how big his part is. I don't know if it's, you know, um, a secondary role where he'd be supporting actor. But it sounds like if your name is in there, or the character is in the title, wouldn't you be somebody that would be considered? So Eddie Redmayne. And then it also has Jessica Chastain, Oscar bait right there. 
double up last year's winner. And uh, Jessica Chastain also has a very small part in Armageddon time. So she's in a couple again this year that have possibilities. So you see what happens? Yeah. Hmm. But I think Eddie's going to get in there. I think he might be a nominee. I don't know about her, but I do think he is. So we're not done talking about about your list, but as a lead in. <laughs> but we're tired of you. So no, no, we're no. going to move on. No, we are not going to move on, but I am going to give a little bit of background maybe to this. And like for the ones that I've got that nobody else picked, one of the reasons I picked a bunch of them, because I'm looking for X factors. I'm looking for something that is going to surprise the the Academy. It's going to come out of nowhere, a movie that we don't really know anything about. And topping off your list of ones that you're the only one who picked them is Glass Onion, a Knives yeah. Out mystery. You bet. Knives tell, me about, tell me about why you picked the new Ryan Johnson movie. Because friends who have seen it said it's better than Knives Out. That's almost good enough for me already. <laughs> you know, if it's better than that and it's a sequel, oh, I and it has, you know, come on, a, a lot of people in there who can make a difference. And when you have Daniel Craig back, I think it's I think it's going to be something that'll really it'll play. It'll be a player. All right. I mean, I mean, your lips to God's ears. I'm ready for it. So from there, we can jump into the last one, the last four that I've got. And I'll start out with the obvious one, which was announced as an Oscar contender just a few days ago. Emancipation, the new Will Smith movie. What's he been up to? Yeah, he's uh, he's been hiding. What's he been doing? Some shenanigans, some tomfoolery, a little bit of horseplay. Chicanery, maybe. Oy. He will not be presenting the award for this next year's Best Actress. No. I think he will be escorted away from the premises if he gets within a, a certain <laughs> radius is, is what's going to happen. <laughs> or, um, Chris, but... or Chris, he'll host. That's how it goes. <laughs> They'll bring him out in a um, the Hannibal Lecter mask like they did. Billy Crystal. Right. But yeah, this is uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, it's about a an escaped slave, and it'll be on Apple Plus in, in December. And the fact that they went from it's going to be coming out next year to it's going to be coming out this year, to me says they know that there's a soft spot, that they can get this into, you know, whatever, whatever needles they have, it, that it's going to have to thread so far as the the Will Smith aspect, <laughs> the you know the stuff that it's going up against, and you know I mean Apple they they won Best Picture last year, so I think Emancipation's got a really good shot of being at the list or on the list. I think Decision to Leave, which is the new Park Chan Wook movie uh, about a detective investigating the death of a man on a mountaintop, and kind of gets a little uh little wacky kind of romancy sort of stuff. Uh, that's been doing really well at a bunch of the, the festivals and based on past few years, I think the Academy is much more able and, and ready, willing and able to nominate foreign films in best picture, which they've not done a lot in the past. And if there's anyone that can make the cut, I think, I think uh, decision to leave could be the one. Yeah, and he did uh, he did Old Boy, um, which is the one that 
of his that people would probably know the best um, and has hung around for the uh, for the longest. And uh, he also did Handmaiden and Stoker, uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I'm I'm actually a pretty big fan of his vampire movie Thirst. So he's someone who's been out there definitely paying his dues and probably not really even caring about the Academy Awards. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I think that's got a decent shot. Um, and then the two kind of wonky ones, I'm going to go ahead and say, well, let's go. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I just, I just want it to be that good. That's really about it. I just, I want it to be that good. Uh, and the, the other live action Pinocchio that came out earlier this year was just an absolute dumpster fire. So let's get Guillermo del Toro. And it's also the Academy likes Guillermo del Toro. And that's, you know, it's going to get him in there. Question for you. There was a Pinocchio that was nominated for costumes. Yeah, that's the Benini one. So that wasn't this one. No, there there have been three Pinocchio movies in the last couple of years now. Three too many. Yeah. I almost don't even want to count the Disney one because that just fits into their just mechanical recycling of older movies and with with the live action stuff I, like that's that's not even like it's barely a movie <laughs> at some point it's just kind of a, a paint by numbers thing with tom hanks doing I, I don't know what kind of accent he's doing so uh and hey wait a minute isn't that elvis i <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah yeah Thomas I don't think he's going to get so he he's not going to get best supporting actor in that. He's not going to get best supporting actor in Pinocchio either. So cross that off the list. Um and the last one that I'll shout out is one that I'm just going to I mean Avatar, The Way of Water. You discount James Cameron at your peril. Yeah. You know, you lower your expectations for him at your peril. It's a how many times have people written him off? Say Titanic is going to be a huge mess. Avatar is going to be a huge mess. And they filmed two and three pretty much back to back. And then they were holding off on four just in case two and three end up being stinkers. But four and five are are in progress right now. So, But isn't that overconfident? I don't know that this would bode well for an Oscar nomination. And it better be pretty special coming this many years later. But that's the thing is that if there's anyone in Hollywood and we're talking about an industry where overconfidence is uh, a currency, but if there is anyone who has been so profoundly and consistently overconfident, but then shown up to cash those checks, (laughs) it's, it's James Cameron. Will I be surprised if it doesn't end up on the list? No, I will not. But, it's also one where I'm, you know, I, you hedge that bet at your peril. Yeah, he's not one to discount, but I think his ego was so big after Titanic that I think they didn't give Avatar best picture just because of that. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't a lesser film, but I do think that there's something about that I'm the greatest in the world kind of stuff that doesn't, doesn't play. The thing that I think you might end up having to consider, though, so one of the reasons why Top Gun is in the conversation is because Top Gun got people back in theaters. It got people's grandparents back in theaters, for better or worse, admittedly. 
I mean, as far as just health concerns, but it was the thing that that burst those doors open. It reminded everyone of the the amount of fun. And Avatar is going to potentially do that as well. It's opening early December is the the release date of that. And then, I mean, the Oscars are happening later and later every year now. So it's got that much more time to percolate. Same thing that Top Gun had, where Top Gun kept people coming back to theaters over and over again. And Avatar 2 could maybe have that same thing. Look, though, how people thought Coda was dead. They thought, oh, isn't that sweet? They put Coda in there. Oh, that's so nice that it could be nominated. They should be so pleased that they got a nomination. Well, it beat everything. And that's because it went too long. People were tired of kind of seeing these same old movies pitched at them and it backfired. So I think that now it's going to be closer to the vest is going to be the one that's going to win. It's been clear from all the other times we've talked about this that I'm an Avatar zealot who is all the way in on all things uh, Avatar. But the the reason I didn't have it on my list is because I think if another one of the Avatar movies is going to get a heaping helping of uh, Oscar love, it's going to be when they do the last one, kind of like what happened with uh, Peter Jackson and, and Lord of the Rings. So when we're talking, uh, you know, Avatar 4 and uh, Avatar 5, then I, I'll be talking more about best uh, picture type stuff. No, I think that is a that is a very legitimate thing to mention. The other thing, though, is that with the way these movies are going, uh, you know, there, there's no guarantee that by the time the last one rolls out, I mean, and I, and I know the studio has multiple contingency plans for James Cameron dying, <laughs> basically, you know, because they're thinking no, this far out. James Cameron's going to live to be like 250. He's conquered everything else. He's going to conquer death as well. <laughs> He's just going to pilot a sub to the bottom of the Marianas Trench and just keep going downward until yep. the, the pressure just pops it. And that's yep. going to be his uh, his sayonara. The only way that they can give an Oscar to him for Avatar, Avatar 2, is if it's made of unobtainium. <laughs> because, truly, really, this is not going to win. This is one of those pop moves. This is what's trying to get the Christmas money. That's all that is. It's going to get the Christmas money. And it'll get some special effects nominations. There won't be a single person that'll be nominated. If they tossed him a bone, which they're not going to because he already has a bone, it wouldn't be for best director. I don't see it winning any which way, but like I said, I'm just not going to go on on record as being a James Cameron doubter. <laughs> but now they have all that Disney money behind them and they want to push the theme park ride. So the sky's the limit. Any regrets, Jared, on on your list of seven? Anything that, that you would maybe add or are you... Stick into seven. No, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm staying pat. I will right. not be bullied into to any other decision. I'm not bullying. Just for the record, I just I'm uh, you know trying to be generous here. <laughs> give you give you an opportunity to unpaint yourself out of this corner. <laughs> not happening. Well, I mean, one of the nice things is we get you know in January or whatever. That's when we get to come back and check the math, see how we did. You know, they added a lot of Academy members in the last year, like a lot. And the diversity was a big factor in all of that. So I think that's where something like Everything Everywhere is going to succeed is because you do have a more diverse voting populace that probably will look at something like Avatar and say, the money they spent on that thing, think how many of our movies they could have made if they had just spread that around. So I think that you're going to see, of if they have 10, 
a lot of them are going to be smaller films like we've seen in the past. And then you're going to have a couple of big, big foots. And what is it? What is that? I think that's the big question. But it's really hard to bet against Steven Spielberg in a year like this. Yeah. I mean, he is at this point head and shoulders above. It's not going to be, you know, whether or not the Fablemans is bad because everything that I've heard about it is that it is just chef's kiss all the way through. It's going to be something unexpected like white noise or like tar or, uh, you know, maybe even emancipation, you know, coming in and just edging that out. And, you know, it's, uh, it's fun. Like it's fun to actually be back in this mind state of, and again, I mean, we've, like I said, I I mean, we've only seen a, a very thin little sliver of these movies and we're just ballparking based on, vibes on our own personal interests so Chris, i'll give you a good example of this amsterdam was in the hunt (laughs) until it opened and then it opened and it was like oh no too quick there we're not putting that in the list oh for sure and i think that, that could be any one of these pictures they could have a really bad open and we won't hear from again and maybe it is top gun avatar elvis you know, the, the big money pictures. Well, that is our roundup. And I mean, I will have, uh, or you'll be able to find in the show notes, a simple alphabetized list of all 17 of these movies that we've got on our short list. And we'll see what we did January or whenever the early January, I think when they, whenever they announced the actual nominees. Um, but so yeah, check the show notes. Any last looks, Bruce? I'm excited because it looks like it's going to be a good, good fall slash winter for us when the movies come, because these all look like ones I would love to see. And so it bodes well. It isn't like, oh, the best is already past us. The best is yet to come. I agree. Jared, any last parting thoughts or uh, you can just take us out like uh, just like old times, man. I'll just say, you know, never, never doubt, uh, never doubt the king, uh, Elvis Presley. Thank you very much. So don't bet against Elvis. And uh, as far as uh, sending us out, look, uh, go to the theaters and uh, screen something good or stick at home and stream something good. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, Like I said, we'll have links to the movies that we talked about in the show notes. If our back and forth banter trying to cram all this stuff in was a little hectic, find all that there. Follow us on any place that you follow things and there'll be links to talk to us in the show notes again. Let's see. We might have a bonus episode. First of all, go back and listen to the the bonus episode that Jared and I did about Halloween horror movies and like the best horror movies that have come out this year. Yes. Cause that was a ton of fun. And then also I think I might have a quick little bonus with Bruce's interview with uh, some of the folks behind, was it Avenue 5? Avenue 5 on HBO, it's back. It's back. And they tell you why it took them so long. Yes, we'll have a link to that as well. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening and stick around till January at the very least to, to come back and see how we did. See something good, stream something good. Goodbye.